thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. Well, hello, Light Church Bradford. It's really wonderful to be with you this morning. I'm Linda Maslin and I co-serve with you in our wonderful city. Um, I'm at Fountains Church Bradford. We are a new Church of England um, church plant and we were planted two years ago. At the back of last year, we moved to our building in the nightclub block that's between the Alhambra and the Media Museum. It's my joy this morning to be continuing your sermon series on the Kingdom of God. And this morning, my title is The Value of God's Kingdom. And the scripture passage that we're going to be using is Matthew 17, verses 44, sorry, verses 45 to 46. What's your greatest desire? Um, I think for all of us that maybe this last crazy 18 months have shaped our thinking around this. If I take this out of a spiritual context, my greatest desire right now is to see two of my children and three of my grandchildren who I've not seen in person for two years now. Now, my desire drives my thinking and my planning and my hoping and my my dreaming. So imagine this. There was this man and this man was a merchandiser, probably a wholesaler. He'd built up his business from scratch or maybe he'd inherited it from his dad, but He kept building it and it was a great business. It was really successful. In time, he had a wife and children and everything good in life. But this was not enough for him. This man had a passion. Now, his passion was not for houses or cars or silver or gold. It was for pearls. Now, in the time that this story took place, there was no such thing as cultured pearls, which were were grown grown in, in kind of like factories or anything like that. The only way you could get hold of a pearl was naturally. And he was completely fascinated by them. Now, I don't know what you know about pearls, but they begin as a piece of grit inside the shell of an oyster. And the oyster begins to secrete nacre, the same substance that makes up the shell. And it secretes it in order to protect itself. So layer upon layer is placed onto this grit. And finally, it becomes the most beautiful of objects. A shiny, smooth pearl. From a piece of grit to pearl. It's one of the many gifts from God. But pearls are expensive and they have to be paid for. Now this man goes about looking for them and when he's looking out for new pearls, he discovers one which is so round, so beautiful, he knows that it's probably taken years to grow inside the oyster. And it was really expensive. So Jesus in Matthew's gospel puts it like this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. That's it. The parable is all of two verses, three sentences long. It's only given to us in Matthew's gospel. So what is it that Jesus is telling his early disciples? How would they have understood this parable? What does it mean for us to understand the value of the kingdom of God 
in Bradford in 21st century? Well, bear with me. We're going to dig into these words quite deeply to find out. So firstly, just a little bit of context. Jesus's disciples, his close friends, would have interpreted this parable through their own lens. First of all, it's worth reminding us that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. He was steeped in the scriptures that we call our Old Testament. At the time that Jesus told this parable, the people he was telling it to did not really understand that Jesus was God. Neither did they know that Jesus was going to be crucified and raised from the dead. And then if we think about the whole environment, the culture that Jesus was part of, of course it was very different 2,000 years ago in Israel. The area where Jesus lived and worked was simple farming and fishing communities, small villages in the main, not big cities. Now the observant among you may have noticed that although my title is the Kingdom of God and the value of the Kingdom of God, Matthew starts this passage saying, the Kingdom of Heaven is like. Now this is quite typical of Matthew's writing. He is writing to a Jewish people who are following Jesus. So what he's saying may well be something which is culturally sensitive. In the first century, the Jewish people avoided writing the name of God. They didn't want to dishonour him. But Matthew does use the name of God on numerous occasions in his gospel. And Matthew uses the phrase the kingdom of God on four occasions. So maybe there's something a bit deeper going on than just merely using the phrase the kingdom of heaven to avoid the word God. I think it's likely that what Matthew wanted to do was not have his, his readers misunderstand the nature of the kingdom that he's talking about. The Jewish people were anticipating that God would bring in a physical kingdom, a kingdom that would conquer the Romans. But the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is not a physical kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. If you remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate at his trial, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. This is John 18.36. By using the word heaven, Matthew emphasises and reinforces the spiritual nature of the kingdom. And in this context, Matthew is meaning the first heaven. The Jews would have understood this as the space between now and heaven. It indicates the now and the not yet space of the kingdom of God. Now we now know that this really began at the death and resurrection of Jesus and it inhabits for us the space between now and Jesus's return. So Matthew is grounding this saying uh, of Jesus in bringing it into the here and the now. If you read the New Testament in Greek, and I have to confess that I'm not very good at this, you would see that there is an additional word that usually does not get translated into our English translations. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is a merchant. Our translation just reads that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. Now, I think that's an omission that we really need to notice, and I'll come back to why in just a moment. Now, in Jesus's time, merchants were not very popular. In fact, the Gospels, the books of the Bible that speak to us about the life and times of Jesus, are really pretty down on merchants. 
So comparing the kingdom of God to a merchant would definitely have raised some eyebrows. When Jesus turns over the tables in the temple, he uses the same word. Um, Stop merchandising in my father's house is the literal translation. It's almost always used with negative connotations is this word merchant. So in just those few words, Jesus would have caught their listeners' attention. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was a merchant. Now, some people get into the parable and end up really emphasising the pearl. And as I said above, it's a really beautiful object, very rare. No common person would have them. The pearl comes from the oyster. That is a shellfish in Jewish laws. These were not kosher. They weren't clean. It was okay to wear a pearl, but not okay to eat the fish. Pearls also are the only precious jewel that comes out of a living creature. And obviously pearls are made as the creature protects itself from an irritant. There are all kinds of things that we could pull out from that. And pearls do appear elsewhere in the New Testament too. Jesus himself said, don't cast your pearls before swine. And in 1 Timothy, a pearl is pointed out to be something which is extravagant and something that inspires sin. So it's interesting, isn't it, that in this parable, we've got two things that both have something slightly negative about them. Let's go back to the merchant. Jesus tells us that the merchant is searching out fine pearls. We're not told why he's doing that. I think the implication is that he's buying them to sell on or to convert into jewellery to sell on. But fine jewels are clearly this merchant's passion. So he's out looking for them, and as he's out looking for many pearls, he actually finds just one. And this one, he wants so much that he's willing to sell up everything that he owns. Now again, it's worth looking into the Greek language here, because it isn't just that he liquidates the assets of his business, but rather that he sells up everything that he owns. His house, his food, his belongings, everything. And there's nothing that tells us that what he's doing is to buy this pearl to sell on. In fact, I wonder if the wording is that actually this man was a merchant because by the end of the parable, he is no longer a merchant. I've been reading a book by Amy Levine. It's called Short Stories by Jesus. And I love the subtitle, The Enigmatic Parables of a Controversial Rabbi. I recommend the book to you. She says that rather than trying to think about what the meaning of the pearl is in this parable, we should look at the reckless actions of the man who was a merchant. The pearl meant so much to him that he gave up absolutely everything for the one thing. Knowing what is our one precious pearl cancels out our other desires, she says. When we see it, we know it. So that gives you some background to this parable, but What does that really mean for us, do you think? Well, I think in the parable, we can't cut out the allegory of the reckless man who sells up everything. He stops chasing many things for the one things. We can definitely look at this parable and see that the man tells us something about what God's love for us is about. Jesus came. He gave up everything to be with us. He leaves heaven to come to earth to show us how to live to bring us into relationship with God and to make a way back to him. We are a pearl of great price to God. 
We are of inestimable value. And Jesus was willing to give up everything, not just for us collectively, but for you and, and for me as individuals. It's amazing, isn't it? We can also see in the parable some discipleship principles. Often this is interpreted into, interpreted into the way we should be sacrificial in the way that we approach our commitment to God, giving portions of what we have. But actually, that's not what this parable is showing. This man who was a merchant shows through this parable that we are totally bought in. The kingdom of God is worth every bit of me. Being a part of God's kingdom means bringing everything that I am and everything that I have under the reign and rule of him. But I also think this parable pushes us a step further. Think about the things that make up God's kingdom. What would it be like if God's kingdom were here in Bradford? Well, these are the things that I think it would be like. There would be no hunger. There'd be nobody without shelter. There wouldn't be inequality of provision. There wouldn't be people who suffer from depression. The environment would not be under threat. There would be no racism. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that as we think about these kingdom things, Many of them have come sharply into focus during the course of this pandemic. What have you seen that has really made your heart turn, that has made you think, I really need to get behind this. I really need to do something about it. For some people, that pearl of great price is stopping people trafficking. It's about food justice. It might be about ending racism. Whatever it is, you might find that as you think about this parable, God has placed a pearl of great price on your heart. And that has a great value to you, but an even greater value in the kingdom of God. So as I draw to a conclusion, let's turn this around and just think about ourselves. Maybe you just might like to shut your eyes and think and pray. Do you know the love that God has for you? I think sometimes we think of God as being like an angry headmaster who just wants to tick us off for the things that we've done wrong. That's not the love of the God that I know and that I speak about. This God has a reckless love that gives up everything to send his son down to earth so that I can walk in relationship with him. This is the value that God places on me and on you. And if you don't know that, then I'd love for you to write a message in the, uh, in the chat. I'd love for you to connect with Matt or one of the team. Do not go away from this place without having done something where we can talk to you about the God that we know and the God that we love. For those of you that do know God, what have you put under the rule of God? Are there still some elements of your life that need to come under his reign and his control? It might be your home. It might be your work. It might be your relationships, your friendships, your, your finances. Maybe even as I'm talking, Holy Spirit is shining a light on some things that you need to be acting on 
and bringing under Jesus's lordship. And then finally, what is the passion of your heart? What is that thing that really makes your heart pound? Maybe it is something about justice in our city. Maybe it's something around debt. Maybe it's something around sexuality. Maybe it's something around racism. Whatever it is, if God is pinging you in this moment, then again, please do let Matt or the leadership team know. Talk to them about what God is saying. What I know for sure is that God wants his kingdom and his reign to be evidenced in the city of Bradford. And each one of us has a part to play in that. We as individuals and collective followers of Jesus can be the pearl of great price to our beautiful city. That is the value of the kingdom of God. So let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this merchant and the story of this uh, this parable. We thank you, Lord, that you spoke in such a way that uh, your words didn't die 2,000 years ago, but we can look at them today and each of us will take something different from this little parable. But I pray that you would lead and direct us both individually and together, that you would show us where we can join in with your kingdom and that as we join our prayers together and say your kingdom, Lord, your kingdom, in Bradford as it is in heaven. Lord, would you continue to inspire us and to lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day. 